Well, we've done it. We have successfully survived four weeks of our cross-training experience. We've seen through God's Word how cross-training as disciples of Jesus involves working and growing spiritually, emotionally, financially, and physically. And each of these areas are important for us to continually to work on and grow in. And today's training is just as important. This morning we look at, as we finish this series up, we look at being relationally fit disciples of Jesus. But before we go any further, I'm exhausted, and so we really need the Holy Spirit to show up this day. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to dig into the depths of your word and see that you speak to us every single time that we do. We pray, Lord, now that you send your Holy Spirit upon this place to fill me up, to give me the strength and the ability to share your words with these, your children. And that same Holy Spirit, fill them up, that they too may be energized by the work that you do, so that we can continue to go out in our cross-training, understanding what it means to be relationally fit disciples of Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, true or false question for you to begin. Relationships are hard work. Very good. It's, it's so true, right? Relationships are hard. You know why? Because there's people involved. And there's sinners involved. And anytime there are people, anytime there are sinners involved, things will be difficult. Yet God in his great wisdom has given us the frame for, framework for how we're to live in relationship with these people that he places around us. The first and the most important aspect that we need to understand is that in any relationship, there needs to be love extended. And to understand this, we are going to look at that gospel reading today from John chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. I invite you to join me there in your Bible or in your phone app if you want. Um, we're going to spend some time here for a little bit. So John 15, beginning with verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have, made, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This text presents us with a great understanding of how we are called to live. How we are called to love one another. And yet it's also where we see love and commandments placed together. A lot of times we may think that these words really don't go in the same thought, right? Love has this almost universal, pleasant connotation where commandments are perceived as restrictive, authoritarian, 
and high-handed. Yet we see here Jesus speaking of love and his commandments. It's inseparable. So this morning we're going to explore a bit the motivation of Christian love. A love that is modeled after the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Modeled after Christ's love for us. And then the love a disciple of Jesus is to love by. So let's start with this. What was love to Jesus? Well, when we, when we dig into Scripture, we, we know that Jesus would not define love with just words. Right? But, but with actions. Let's start with the big one. By dying. Right? John three sixteen. You've heard it probably in the last week or so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But there's also Jesus showing and doing love by serving Right? John 13. Having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And then Jesus loves by forgiving. 1 John chapter 4. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So that is love. For for Jesus, love meant nothing apart from deeds. Jesus didn't just speak about love. He did love all the time. And love for Jesus was sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his time. Jesus sacrificed his energy. Jesus sacrificed his personal comfort. And the greatest sacrifice is very life. So if this is the type of love modeled by Jesus, guess what? This is the type of love we are to love with. In our lives, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, and yes, those neighbors that we consider our enemies sometimes, we are to love them the same way. Being relationally fit disciples of Jesus means we don't just speak love. We show love. Why? But why do we do this? Well, that's why we're here, right? To be reminded once again that Jesus gave all of this love to us very unlovable, sinful people. And Jesus didn't choose us to love because we loved him first. No, we know that because the disciples weren't too good at that either. They, they, they talked a very good game. And in the night of this text here, earlier that night, Peter and all the disciples, they're saying that they're going to do anything, that they would make any sacrifice for Jesus. They said that they would even die with him. Well, how'd that turn out? They all turned tail and ran. The disciples were good with love when it came from just their words. But when it came time to sacrifice, when it came time to put their lives on the line for one they loved, even their words bailed out. I don't know the man, Peter said. 
So do we see these similar times in our lives? Do we bail? Do we fail? Yeah. But Jesus didn't choose to love us because of what we can or can't do. Jesus didn't choose to love the disciples because they chose to love him. He's quite emphatic about this idea, right? Verse 16 of our text. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you. That's so important for us to catch. You did not choose me. I chose you. Friends, that means Jesus has chosen each and every one of you. It's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that you can do, yet Jesus chooses you. He chooses each of us who are no more lovable and dependable than Peter and those other disciples. He chose those of us who bail on him when it's time to stand up for truth. Jesus chose us when we still choose the world's ways. Jesus chose to love us when we gossip. Jesus chose to love us when we fail to model love to our children. Jesus chose us when we put things above him. Jesus chose us all the times where we have relationally failed with him and one another. It's the reality check. We're not lovable. We are not lovable people. But Jesus still says, I love you. But he doesn't just stop there, right? He doesn't just say it. He says, I love you. Your sins are forgiven. He says, I love you. Come to my table now. Take it. Eat. Jesus says, I love you. Get up. And walk. Jesus says, I love you. I lay down my life for you, my friend. This is amazing stuff. But now, because of this love that Jesus has for us, because I'm a disciple of Jesus, because we are followers we have some needs for, for growing in our cross-training. Because here's the thing. Jesus intends for you and me to love the same way that he loves. Jesus intends for you and me to love the same way he loves. You know what you need to do? You need to go, Holy Spirit! Right? We, we can't do this by ourselves. we got to call out to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come here and help me get this massive weight off my chest. Help me grow. And then the Holy Spirit gets to work again. And I say again because the Holy Spirit's already inside you who believe. You haven't been brought to this faith by yourself. The Holy Spirit has worked this faith in you. The Holy Spirit is still trying to work faith in each and every one of you. So we love because God loves us. We love because God commands us to love. And it's not an option. A command is not an option. Anybody but in the military, it's not an option. If you have a command, you got to do it. Or you got lots and lots and lots of push-ups, plus who knows what else. 
But for some reason, we take what God says and we think a command is an option. And yet he holds our lives more so than the army does. But he's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. So he doesn't just suggest that we love. He commands us to love. And here's why. It's so important that we as disciples of Jesus do what he says that we should do. It's because people know the disciples of Christ by how they love. If we as followers of Jesus are not loving others, how will they know Jesus? To love as Jesus loved means that we serve as Jesus served. And so guess what? That means we need, be, need to be ready to sacrifice. We love by sacrifice. We love not by mere words, but by deeds. We love by laying down our lives for others. We give of our time. We give of our comforts. We give of our treasures. We're laying down our lives in love for others. And while we do this, guess what we're doing? We're modeling to our kids, to our grandkids, to other Christians, and to non-believers what is important. How to love, sacrificing, serving without an agenda, generously giving. But this takes training. This takes hard work. So what we want to do is practice a love that doesn't desire but gives. We love not to get something but to do something. So, so maybe we shouldn't say, I love you. Maybe we just should say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Because I love you. Right? For, for, for what we see from Jesus is love without sacrifice is nothing. We love by sacrificing by what we, we love by sacrificing what we want to do for the good of our neighbor. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. So this means that we love and we live our lives in humility. Meaning, we're not acting and living a life where we act overtly proud or arrogant. Like we're better than others. Because we're not. But we act and live a life with compassion and care for others. Paul talks about this in the first reading today from Philippians 2. I'm going to jump there real quick and have you hear what it says in Philippians 2, beginning with verse 1. Here what Paul says, Philippians 2, verse 1. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Another verse, uh, another translation says verse 5 this way. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You know what that means? Holy Spirit! Right? we got to call out to that Holy Spirit and come and work in our hearts again. Because being relationally fit means we grow not only in love, but in our humility. Seeking to have a servant's attitude. Serving out of love for God and for our neighbor. 
And, and here's the thing. We have a choice. We have a choice here. Not if God will love us. That's done. From God through Christ right to us. No, the choice here is the attitude that we carry forth as the disciples of Jesus. We can choose every day to approach our lives expecting to be served. Or we can approach every day looking for opportunities to serve others. So in this cross-training that we're walking through, the question will be this. What will it be today? What will be today for you? Are you seeking to serve? Are you seeking to be served? Scripture reminds us that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. So how do we do this, right? How do we humbly love and serve sacrificially? Call out to the Holy Spirit, and then we practice. And then we practice some more. Because the sacrificial love of Jesus is hard. It's hard for us sinners to do. It takes effort and practice and concentration. It takes open eyes to look beyond ourselves, to beyond our families, and to see the needs of others. It takes sacrifice. But again, this is where the Holy Spirit that's been living inside of you, he's ready to go. This is where he moves you to get off the bench and get into the game. This is where we dig deep and we can love the unlovables. Put that in quotations for you. Let's surround us. This is where maybe for just a moment we take that next step and care about someone else beside ourselves. We practice patience. We extend forgiveness. We show care, compassion, mercy, and grace. We love because he first loved us. And we do this all by asking the Holy Spirit to help us grow. The training plan is now before us for all these areas that we have been called to live by and grow in as disciples of Jesus. First, we remember who we are. Who are you? You are children of God, saved, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven of all your sins. The Holy Spirit has claimed you as his own. Second, you remember now that the Holy Spirit is where? Inside you. The Holy Spirit lives inside you, keeping you in this faith and growing you in this faith as you train daily. Third, every day we can remember to trust who? God. <laughs> right? Every day we can remember to trust God, not the government, not our pocketbook, not ourselves. Every day we can remember to trust God, especially when the training and the things we're going through seem hard, unfair, or unclear. And then fourth, you're here to grow. You're here to take next steps in your training. 
Like this. You're coming to church and worshiping. That's awesome. That's a step in your growth process. You can get involved in small groups and missional communities. You can open your Bible and, and read them and digest them. You can give. You can give from what you have been given. Fifth, you stand strong. You push through. It's hard. It's super hard, especially in the world that we live today. But we can stand strong because who's by your side? Jesus. And who resides in you? Holy Spirit. And finally, and this may be the hardest one yet, ask for help. Guys, ladies, kids, everyone, ask for help. You can't do this alone. So first, pray Talk to God. The second, though, get a group of people to work out with. To grow with. To challenge you to move forward. To hold you accountable. All the while, friends, give yourself some grace. You can't just walk into the gym and throw up 250 pounds on the bench. Give yourself some grace as you increase your cross-training fitness as disciples of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.